Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. So summertime is a great time to reconnect with family and spend quality time together, right? But let's be honest here, too much time together can be a bit taxing at times, am I right? I was home with my kids when they were young, and it's a time I wouldn't have given up for anything. I, I thought it was a very precious time. We would go to the park, the library, the zoo. We'd take field trips to the Humane Societies to love on the animals. We'd play games and swim in our pool, jump on the trampoline, but whew, I certainly needed some time away from my kids, and they quite honestly needed some time away from me. We needed options for our kids. We all need options for our kids to be engaged with other kids doing things kids love to do. The more options, the better, as far as I'm concerned. But the reality is that not all kids have equal access to opportunities to engage. Imagine a place where who you are, where you're from, or the circumstances that surround you don't determine your access to experiences or opportunities. Today, we're going to talk with two organizations that partner with over 50 schools, partner camps, churches, universities, and companies to make that vision a reality by offering not only summer, but year-round programming. My first guest today is Kathy Thornton-Bias, president and CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee, whose vision is to provide a world-class club experience that assures success is within reach of every young person who enters their doors. Welcome to the show today, Kathy. Jill, thank you so much for having me. Excited to talk about uh, opportunities for kids in our community. Well, we're excited to hear. I understand in doing some research that the Boys and Girls Club was born in 1860 in Hartford, Connecticut, when three women believed that boys who roamed the streets should have a positive alternative. So they organized the first club with character development as the cornerstone of the experience. But it actually wasn't until 1990 that it became a boys and girls club. So can you start, Kathy, by giving us a brief history of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Milwaukee and how you landed there? Um, I love the story of the founding of the Boys and Girls Clubs here in Greater Milwaukee. Um, similar to the Hartford situation, our club was founded by uh, a woman, a very strong-willed woman, uh, Annabelle Whitcomb-Cook, uh, almost 135 years ago. And what's so remarkable to me about that, if you think back to, this is 1887, think about the rights and lack thereof that women had in that moment. Women didn't have the right to vote. Women didn't have the right to own property outside of their husband. And so for this scrappy woman with a vision to convince her pastor to let a bunch of rambunctious young boys take over the basement of their church um, and start the Busy Boys Club was really quite groundbreaking. And from that, um, the clubs grew the footprint grew, but in that moment in time, for her to have the spirit and the gumption 
and the wherewithal and the vision to make that happen for me is very indicative of the chutzpah that the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Milwaukee um, has always had. And it and it, it really emanates from our founder, Annabelle Whitcomb Cook. Mm. And it is very interesting. And go ladies, right? That's yeah. that's awesome. You know, you put a challenge for a you know, put a challenge before a woman and she'll she'll find a she way to make things job. happen, actually. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so how did you get to the the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee, Kathy? Um, my journey was not sort of the typical nonprofit journey. I spent about 35 years as a retail executive, um, primarily in New York City, running big retail organizations, some of which your listeners would probably know. Um, but I'd like to say that the, the business of children and um, improving lives of children has been very much our family business for my whole life. Um, my parents owned uh, the largest daycare operation in the city of Louisville, Kentucky, which is where I'm from. Um, two of our sons worked with uh, youth serving organizations, both in college and after. Um, my husband works for uh, a major nonprofit organization, um, raising funds for kids to go to college. Uh, my stepmom is uh, a college president. So, you know, education and giving educational access to those who are under-resourced has very much been a muscle that my family has felt strong about using um, for my whole life. I was just late to the game. <laughs> <laughs> but you're here. That's the bottom line. That's good. That's now. good. <laughs> yeah. So it, it really is, I would say, you know, our family's personal mission. Um, we believe in the power of education. We believe in the power of access and equity. And certainly in a city like Milwaukee, um, those principles need to be accelerated. Um, in in a significant way. Okay. And so how long has the Greater Milwaukee chapter or location been around? We are 135 years old. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the the, the organization as a whole, but you're talking about Milwaukee, Milwaukee specifically, specifically being. Okay. And I, I don't think we're showing our age, Jill. I think we look pretty good for 135 <laughs> years old, I must say. Um, and we've gone through you know, a tremendous amount of changes, as you can imagine in those times. Um, You mentioned earlier that it wasn't really until, you know, the late 80s, early 90s that most clubs around the country admitted girls. This was called for a long time the Boys Club of Milwaukee. And I'm really proud to say that Milwaukee was one of the first clubs to change policy to admit girls. Go Milwaukee. Go Milwaukee. Awesome. That's great. Uh, Milwaukee is also the largest boys and girls club organization in the entire country. Wow. So bigger than Atlanta, bigger than Chicago. Take that Chicago. Uh, Yeah. So uh, oftentimes Milwaukee doesn't get, you know, the credit for some of the great things that we're doing in community. We hear about the bad things in Milwaukee. This is something we're really proud of. And that's why we do this show you know, to highlight great organizations like yours and and the great work that you're doing. I understand that you have a proven model of success. Explain how and why your approach works. Um, Our approach is unique uh, for Boys and Girls Clubs compared to other nonprofits that serve youth because we really focus on the whole child. Um, There are lots of great nonprofits that focus on literacy and academics or that offer sports programming or 
um, teach, you know, life skills. It's rare that one nonprofit wraps all that together. And so when you when you look at the programming that we offer and continue to evolve because children continue to change, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't grow up with cell phones. Example. Really? Neither did I. Neither did you. <laughs> so there are all these new um, nuances that are coming into kind of contemporary um, life that we need to be responsive to. And so one of the things that really sets the clubs apart is our holistic approach to developing the whole child from their physicality to their academics to their kind of spiritual orientation. Um, and all those things really do create a good citizen at the end of the day. Uh, you can't have one without the other. And so we really pride ourselves on working holistically with developing the next generation of leaders um, for our community. Mm-hmm. And you talked about it a little bit, but why do you think camp is so important, especially for kids right now in 2022? Well, you know, I think um, camp in particular, first of all, it's 35 miles from downtown Milwaukee. And um, the kinds of programs that we offer for our families means that, you know, for moms and dads and caregivers who need to go to work, who can't work remote, they have to have a place for their children that's safe. Um, When we were all sent home in March of 2022, there was a presumption that safer at home was safer. That's just not the case. And we learned that really quickly, that for a lot of our kids, a lot of our families, a lot of our teens, safer at home wasn't safer for everyone. And in fact, what we learned was that for a lot of our kiddos, you know, being able to go to school or not being able to go took away food source and security, took away physical security, took away, of course, academic um, enrichment and advancement, but also just took away a safe place from eight in the morning until two in the afternoon. And so we really worked hard to reopen our clubs very quickly after the pandemic started because we realized that safer at home wasn't safer for everyone. And as much as I didn't want to be locked in my four walls (laughs) of my condo, it was a safe place for me, for my husband. That was not the case for a lion's share of our community in the city of Milwaukee. Well, in August 2020, there was a survey done that stated that 30% of U.S. adults send their children to summer programming. So let's take a deeper dive into what specifically parents can expect the Boys and Girls Club of Milwaukee to offer their kids. And we're going to do that after our commercial break. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Kathy Thornton Bias, president and CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee. So given the fact that over 6 million children participate in some form of camp, I think it's helpful to know what kinds of things they're learning, right? So, Kathy, can you give us an overview of the different programs that the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee offers? Well, we are in the height of summer, um, which I know Milwaukeeans and Wisconsinites love our summer months, and summer programming is a little different. Um, One, it's a full day of programming because, as you know, schools are out, and so for a lot of the kids and families that we serve, it's important that we provide more services in those critical times so that kids are doing things that are enriching and engaging 
and safe and also productive and positive. And so we open many of our clubs, you know, as early as 7, 7.30 in the morning, and some of them run until, you know, 5.30, 6, 6.30 at night. Um, while there is somewhat of an academic focus, because as many of your listeners will probably uh, know, there's a tremendous amount of learning loss that happens uh, in the summer. Um, some studies will say that, you know, two months of what the child learned in the previous academic year is lost in the summer. Oh, wow. So we work really hard to bridge that gap so that the learning loss can at least be a bit more contained. Um, so that's part of the programming. Um, second, kids want to have fun in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so we have busloads of kids going all over the city. We have great field trips with places like Discovery World, the Milwaukee County Zoo are great partners, Milwaukee Art Museum, even taking kids fishing and showing them Lake Michigan, which many of them have never seen before. So um, so summer is the time for fun at the Boys and Girls Club. Popsicle giveaways. Wow, Jill. <laughs> they go a long way. Adults as well. I like um, popsicles. I want to come on that I like day. popsicles. Um, and so that's, that's a lot of fun for our campers. But really, it's a time for kids to be kids and have a great time. And so whether it's the field trips, whether it's, you know, these partners that we bring in for things like African drumming lessons, you know, there's just a lot of fun happening at the club. Um, I always say to people that, you know, kids come to the clubs for programs, but they stay at the clubs because of the people. Mm. And we have some of the most dedicated staff um, who really love their work, who really love the kids in our community and want to see them succeed. And so that is really our secret sauce. The secret sauce. Well, I think it's important that our audience knows that it's not just summer programming that you offer. You know, we you had mentioned, Kathy, when we were talking before that, you know, parents work, many parents work. And what happens in that gap between the end of school and the end of a parent workday? So you have other programming that you offer throughout the year, like sports and rec and education, STEAM, health and wellness, leadership and service social and emotional development, college and careers. Can you speak to those programs a little bit more? Yeah. Um, you know, again, once the summer months are over and kiddos are, are back in their day school, the after school program really kicks in. That's really what the Boys and Girls Club, I would say, is known for uh, more nationally and here locally. And so, you know, we still have all that support for parents. So kids get homework help every single day. They also get, you know, a hot, what I call it, lunch 2.0, because, you know, our kids eat a lot. <laughs> they come out of school hungry. They want to play. They want to see their friends. And so we do all that. But we also think it's very important for our kids to get a really healthy, hot meal. For some of them, that might be the last meal they have of the day. Yeah. So imagine a parent who's working two jobs, coming to pick up their student. Their homework is done. They're well fed. We try to tire them out as much as possible. So that mom or dad or, or grandma or a, pa- or a caregiver can really spend quality time with the kid and not having to do some of those other, you know, other things. So for our littles, you know, our pals and our mini pals, they're just wanting to have a great time, you know, run around in the gym, do some ball, that sort of thing. But for our teens, they're at a different point in life. They're thinking about what am I going to do after high school, whether I'm going to college, whether I'm going into a trade or a career. And so we have a kind of different level of um, of programming and um, and experiential programs for our teen population. We're sending 40 kids on Saturday on a bus, which shall be 
biting my nails until they get there um, <laughs> on a college tour. And they'll be going to Washington, D.C. to see historically black colleges and universities because it's hard for kids in Milwaukee who've never experienced those things to even have a thought of what they could be. Yes. And so those immersive experiences are really, really important in broadening the child's understanding of what's possible. And then when they understand it's possible, they can start to see it's possible for them. Mm, what a great opportunity. That's great. And the social and emotional development, I think, is is really nice. Because, again, um, kids are going through some stuff, right? Kids I mean, are going through some stuff. Adults are going through some stuff. And, unfortunately, kids don't always have the tools or the vocabulary or the voice to have those things addressed. And so we very recently started to integrate social and emotional development and learning into all of our core curriculum. It could be something Jill as simple as, you know, teaching kids um, sort of self-guided ways to calm themselves when they become anxious, tapping methods, right, on your pulse points. Um, we have uh, calm down cards where kids can say, look, I'm feeling anxious. I'm, I'm about to get mad. This person took my bucket of, you know, whatever, and I'm going to go to the calm down card and get a squeezy ball and just sit and squeeze that out. And so teaching kids these tools and tactics to self-regulate produces really well-adjusted adults. Absolutely. I think some adults could use them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where are some of those stress balls? Right. Where are they? <laughs> so these are tools that we think young people need to learn while they're young and then perfect and really feel comfortable with them as they become teenagers, as they become young adults, and then, of course, as they become adults. So that kind of programming, I think, is really critical, especially coming out of the past two years. Yeah. And health and wellness and leadership and service. I mean, these are these are things that the younger the child is learning those things. It's just going to help them long term. And becomes natural. Yes. It becomes natural, you know, to them. And so when a, a student says, um, and a young student, we need to clean up after we leave the park because we don't want to impact the climate or the environment and they're six. Oh my goodness. That's a wonderful <laughs> thing to hear. It is. Right? It is. Or we don't want to use plastic water bottles anymore, Miss Kathy. That's not good for the environment. And they're 10. Wow. And they're starting to ask us to change policies and to change directions for those things by not having these kind of one-use throwaway bottles. So now every kid has his or her own Yeti with their name on it. So those are things that mm -hmm. once you teach a child the way, they're going to start to lead. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Soft skills. You know, we talk about mm -hmm. how important that is for kids to learn at a young age. Uh, I imagine you include some of that in, in your uh, education and your STEAM and your leadership and service areas, right? For sure. And, you know, she'll think about your very first job. And how prepared or perhaps ill-prepared <laughs> you were. My very first job, you know, was running a babysitting conglomerate. Oh, that's a different conversation for a different day. But I knew at the core that my service had to be such where I could charge a premium for these families because I was going to clean up the kitchen and make sure the kids were all in bed and, you know, bathed and ready. We want our kids to go to their first job with that same mindset of, I'm going to nail this. So whether they're working at Cousin Subs, which is a fantastic partner of ours, thank you, Christine, or um, Kohl's, which they request our kids because they come so well prepared and polished and ready to work with customers. Those are things that we have to teach. 
You don't just learn it from osmosis. You, someone has to teach you those things and or you have to observe those things. And so we spend a lot of time on those kinds of soft skills, as you mentioned. And one of the things I love about the clubs is that we eat our own cooking first. So before <laughs> we send kids out into community to do these jobs and do this work, we hire those kids to work for the Boys and Girls Clubs. So it's not uncommon that some of our you know, teen youth development professionals in the summer, they're working hands-on with the younger kids, showing by example, this is what you do. Mm, nice. And then we get that kind of perfected. And then we send them out into the world to work for other corporations um, around the around the city of Milwaukee. So it's a great program. We're really excited about it. Well, it sounds like you've got a very well-rounded offering of, of programs here um, that, again, we want to make sure people understand are available year-round, uh, not just in the summer. But some people may not know that the Boys and Girls Club of Milwaukee has a hidden gem out in the Lake Country area. So stay tuned to find out more about that when we return. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. We're going to continue our interview today with Kathy Thornton Bias from the Boys and Girls Club, but I'm going to invite Sarah Resch to join our conversation. Sarah is from this hidden gem out in Lake Country called Camp Whitcomb Mason, located in Heartland. Welcome to the show today, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me, Jill. You are welcome. So for those of you who don't know, and I was one of them, Camp Whitcomb Mason is part of the Boys and Girls Club of Milwaukee. So give us a little history lesson on the camp. You know, why why was it purchased and when? We were purchased in 1911. So we are 111 years old this year. Um, and again, looking pretty good for 111. <laughs> um, the same woman that founded uh, our Boys and Girls Club organization, it was the driving power behind um, recognizing that camp and a a summer camp outdoor experience was important for boys. So she actually started the first camp in 1910 on Beaver Lake. So it was just at someone's personal property. Okay. And um, then the next year they purchased the first 40 acres and we've grown to 300 acres now over over the years. Um, But we are the very first boys and girls club camp in the entire country. So we're very proud of that. Wow, that there again, go Wisconsin. Well, well, Milwaukee, Lake Country area. We yeah, we sure have it going on. Um, how did you get there? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, camp has been in my blood since I was four. I went to family camp the very first time with with my family at church camp, and by the time I was seven, I did get to go by myself to scout camp. Um, at age sixteen, I finally got to be on staff, and I got my camp name Charlie. Uh-huh. Um, and I did not know when I picked my camp name Charlie that I would still be calling myself Charlie at age 48. Um, but here I am. And um, I learned camp from the ground up. I worked in the kitchen. I worked um, directly with kids. I was a counselor for four years and loved it. Did everything from horseback specialist to lifeguard, um, assistant camp director. Um, had my, my very best friend was my camp director and, and worked very closely with her family. Um, after a, a health crisis with her, I took over camp. Um, at a young age of 24, and 
stayed there for about eight years. And then I, I had children of my own. I married my camp sweetheart. I brought three babies home. (laughs) (laughs) And um, decided that I wanted to do something more after school. Um, So I found the Boys and Girls Club organization. I left scouting and came to to the club. And I, I, I was a CEO at a Boys and Girls Club organization for eight years, which I I loved, I, I just loved the fact that our children um, need us at a different, at a different level. Um, we are pseudo parents sometimes. They all children get to be the age 13 sometime and they need, um, they're not listening to their parents as much as they are listening to their friends and their peers. Really? I really yeah. <laughs> That's most kids. Okay. Okay. Anyone, anyone. <laughs> I'm in the, in, in the throes of teen parenting myself. So oh, yes, yeah. I understand. Um, <laughs> And so uh, when I found out that the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Milwaukee owned a camp um, after my camp background and then my CEO experience, it was just the perfect marriage um, for the absolute perfect position. Mm, wonderful. So you're you're the ideal uh, employee for Boys and Girls Club. You've got all that experience to to get throw into the kids. That's that's wonderful. What are some ways that people can send their kiddos to camp? Ex- explain that. Bit. Absolutely. Overnight camp is our is our primary program, overnight camp and our day camp experience. So children that live near camp um, can come for the day for a day program. And then we also bring buses of children from the city and bus them out to camp to our 300 acres um, in, in Heartland for activities such as nature hikes and uh, watching the stars, uh, swimming, a lot of, of activities on the lake. Um, they are um, learning to trust each other, learning to trust themselves learning how to fail in a safe way. We call it failing forward, where if you're going to, you know, to, to, and when you're learning, you don't always get it the first time. And so fail forward and, and use that knowledge to get it the next time. Um, they learn to cook. They learn to pick up their towels after themselves because mom's not there to pick it up. Um, <laughs> we learn a lot of independence at camp. And so you uh, work with schools and churches and universities to kind of understand um, who you might want to bring out to the camp. You have these partnerships with them. We do. And they also bring their people out to camp. So we do a lot of rentals during the off season of of summertime. So we have lots of university groups and and churches, um, school groups. We're we're a field trip spot for many of our our school districts for day trips and also overnights and corporations as well. So if someone is listening and they want to take advantage of this hidden gem, uh, called Camp Whitcomb Mason. How do they, what do they do? Do they just go to a website and sign up? Do they reach out to you? What's the process? Yes, they can call camp um, or they can go to our website and um, we we can cater to, to whatever their needs are. So many different facilities and acreage um, that we have. We have something for just about everybody. Okay. Well, I understand that you have a record number of campers in 2022, and you also have the largest seasonal staff in camp history. How many staff members would you say there are to care for the kiddos? Right now on camp, we have about 70 this summer um, to take care of of children. Um, Two weeks ago, we had 385 children on camp for the week. So it was a busy place. Um, This week, we're down to about 280. Down to Yeah. quietly okay um, so we have everything from lifeguards counselors that live in the cabins with the children um, and spend their entire week with the children um, our kids travel with their cabin so they're assigned to their their cabin and their counselors so they have that same care, caregiver as they're traveling throughout camp to different program areas and meeting new adults along the way okay 
Well, you have something called ganas, which is a Spanish word for we win. So what are ganas values at camp and how do they help the children? Our ganas values are how we measure the success of camp and what and what children are learning at camp. So ganas is spelled G-A-N-A-S. And so the G stands for growing confidence. Our A stands for accepting responsibility, which is something we teach our, our children while they're at camp. And is nurturing friendships, meeting those friends, making friends that will last a lifetime is very important to us at camp. The second A is affinity to nature, understanding the purpose of the spiders. They don't love them at first, but we there is a purpose to mosquitoes them. Mosquitoes too. And mosquitoes too. <laughs> the spiders eat the mosquitoes. <laughs> That's why we like them. And the S is for solving problems. So those five values, and we, we do a survey at the end of camp each week that will help us see is where the children can self-report if they improved in their level of accepting responsibility this week or how camp had affected their growing, uh, growing their confidence. Um, and then we can have that measurement tool to help us plan for the next summer. Very nice. Very nice. Well, sending my child away for the week or anyone doing that for that matter can be a big decision, right? Talk to us about how children are kept safe at camp. Absolutely. Um, it starts with that staff. All of our staff have a two-week staff training before they even see children for the first time in the summer. They learn everything from our safety procedures to what to do in a storm, how to handle lightning, um, uh, how to put children to bed at night, how to handle a, a bedwetting scenario in the morning so children are kept emotionally safe. Um, everything from all sides is, is what we discuss during our staff training. Um, we also have a team of lifeguards. We do a lot of water activities. They are always supervised by our, our team of lifeguards. Um, we're accredited by the American Camp Association and also visited by the county health department to ensure we're meeting our county standards and our, our state standards um, and industry-wide standards for health, safety. We have a, a first aider on site that, um, that handles all of our medication administration and our first aid as well as uh, Dr. Bethina with Aurora Healthcare is our physician on call who um, is known to take a, a picture of a, of a weird rash from me and say, oh, yes, that needs to be seen. Okay. Or <laughs> Very nice. You've got someone uh, readily available. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, speaking of keeping kids safe, people may have some questions about safety precautions taken in the midst of a pandemic. So stay tuned to hear how Boys and Girls Club of Milwaukee and Camp Wickham Mason are dealing with that. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking in this last segment with Kathy Thornton Bias from Boys and Girls Club of Milwaukee and Sarah Resch, who actually is also from Boys and Girls Club of Milwaukee, but she focuses on Camp Whitcomb Mason out in Heartland. So we were talking a little bit at the end about safety with, with kids uh, in the last segment. The pandemic has been difficult for many people, and I suspect especially hard on children and teens. What are some of the new challenges that the pandemic created for youth in our region? Well, you know, specifically when you're accustomed to having almost 5,000 kids a day um, at a site, on average, um, you know, just having that many kids together created a challenge. So we had to go into these um, cohorts of kids that 
you know, sort of stayed together with their leaders so that if there was some outbreak, we didn't have to shut down the entire program. We could shut down, you know, cohorts at a time. So that was kind of one way that we wanted to keep some consistency around being able to service the community and service families. I would say second, um, not all masks at the same. And so we were ordering hundreds and hundreds and thousands of mini masks, you know, for our kids and um, and uh, some of our smaller campers and, and club members to have, because we know that, you know, wearing masks was another way to prevent the spread um, of the pandemic. We were really lucky, um, believe it or not, there was a silver lining to the pandemic, which was by the time we reopened in June of 2020, Milwaukee was not 40 degrees. It was mm. beautiful outside. So yeah. a lot of our activities that would typically have been done indoors, we were able to translate those into outdoor activities. And the kiddos actually loved that. I guess. They really, really loved that. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit earlier, Jill, about, you know, food insecurity. Um, we're not a food pantry at the at the Boys and Girls Clubs, but you know, during those first six months of the pandemic, we we gave away something like 235,000 meals in community. Wow. Um, we would open our doors and just load, you know, cases of non-perishable foods um, into families' cars. Because again, when kids were in school, they lost their main source in many cases of, of, of meals and nutrition. So we recognized that early on. Um, I, I would say the, the biggest thing that we still see coming from this, and we talked a little earlier about the need for um, social emotional support. It's one thing when an adult who has communication skills can say, I'm feeling this, I'm dealing with this, I'm missing this. But when you are seven, you don't always have the words, you don't always have the way, you don't always have the listening voices to say, what's going on with you? And so giving kids that, that language, that vocabulary to be able to express what they're dealing with allowed us to deal, I think, much more proactively with some of the challenges we were hearing mm. from them. Well, and I think there's unique challenges that that young people face uh, in Milwaukee as a result of the pandemic, in addition to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, how do the clubs and the camp deal with, with these unique challenges? You know, one of the things I think we felt very strongly about early on um, was that we needed to reopen our doors. Um, for a long time, almost 18 months, students at the MPS um, school system were not in school. They were either virtual or, you know, some hybrid um, where schools like, you know, Arrowhead or Whitefish Bay or Sherwood, they were back in class. So there was this issue of, of equity, you know, with the kids that we saw in Milwaukee. And so we, again, felt very strongly that part of our role as being part of community is to help bridge that gap. So opening for full day, not a not an after school program, giving breakfast, lunch, and the you know hot second lunch, almost dinner for kids, helping kids get you know plugged into their devices, Chromebooks, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, those were not things that we knew how to do before, and now to expect a ten year old to just navigate that on his or her own, that was unrealistic, and so we worked really hard to get all that equipment to get kids plugged in to be an uh, on-site resource for them when they had questions, and then also to remind them that the clubs is a place for fun. So when school is over, yes, we'll have a three-on-three -three basketball tournament. Yes, we'll have a cookie baking contest. Yes, we'll do arts and crafts and all the things that they love. So it was really a place of familiarity for them. 
and I can see what a benefit that would be for so, so many kids and parents too. Mm -hmm. What would you say, what would you say to the community on how can they help you with regard to those challenges? Well, the first thing is that we need, um, we need resources and materials to continue to provide that level of support. Um, it was fantastic to see some of our corporate partners, you know, donate 500 backpacks that we could fill with, you know, all the materials and supplies that kiddos need at home because they weren't at school. And you can't presume that kids have, you know, all the paper, pencils, scissors, glue, all that at home. For a lot of our families, they just did not. So building those like take home packages were great. We talked about the food um, a little bit. And now that things are opening up a bit, those partners who are allowing us to bring kids into spaces. So those experiential um, programs we talked about, those field trips, kids, everyone's tired of being quarantined. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. need to get out and experience life again. And so with community partners who are able to host groups of Boys and Girls Club students, um, Milwaukee Public Museum is another great example. Those things are really valuable. Um, the Bucks, the Brewers were all giving us tickets to take kids out to see their favorite players. I mean, who doesn't want to see Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, up close and personal. And so we have to just be very grateful and thankful for the blessing that the community bestowed upon us. Absolutely. Well, let's let's pivot a little bit here and, and in our remaining time here, talk about, um, you know, although the pandemic is clearly not over, uh, we all want to return to normal, whatever that normal is, quote unquote, right? What does normal look like for your kids at at the clubs and the camp? Right, normal comes comes under a lot of our social emotional development as well. We've seen that you know um, part of being becoming the new normal is addressing that for that kids are emotionally behind two years. So uh, again, those calming carts, the activities that we are are helping kids be mindful about their behavior and their self-management. Um, so that, that's a huge part of, of getting back to new normal. Um, we learned through, um, through the last couple of years that the new normal can be completely different. There's a lot of changes that have happened in our organization that we want to keep yeah, because it's working thing. better. Again, as Kathy <laughs> mentioned, there's a silver lining in everything. You just have to look for it, right? Correct. <laughs> um, so new normal is, you know, our, our kids are able to get out and be in their jobs. We just had, we had one camper. Um, she's 16 years old. Her camp name is Cookie. Uh, she um, was at camp in our leader in training program and really was having a great time. Did a, a shift in the kitchen just to see what being working in the kitchen was like. And uh, she just absolutely loved it because she was 16 already. We were able to call mom and say, so <laughs> what do you think about Cookie working in the kitchen? She's interested. And now Cookie moved to camp a week and a half ago, and she's been on our staff now helping in the kitchen and, and really thriving. So that is what that new normal looks like out of the house, out of, you know, uh, uh, being able to be independent again uh, with support. You know, it's it, every day is not um, 75 degrees in the kitchen. Right. <laughs> it's right. a hard job. And then she's surrounded by the support that she needs. Well, and looking for new opportunities. Again, right. I think what we've learned uh, from the challenges that we've experienced is that there's new way to do things. It's a new normal. You know, we're not getting back to normal because that just isn't going to make it. It's not going to fly. Mm -hmm. So we have a new normal that we're getting back to. Um, what sort of resources would you say are needed then to deliver these experiences that you talk about? 
um, program supplies, um, dollars to support staffing and training. Um, you know, as we talk about programs changing, we need to make sure that our, our staff are, are ready um, to, to meet those challenges. So we, um, we're definitely looking for, for dollars and sponsorships for training for um, our summertime staff to be able to head to be there every day for the for the kids. Our, our registration just booms in the summertime. So our, our staff swells as well during that time. Um, I would I would add that, you know, your point, Jill, about what did we learn, we learned that we can reach a lot of kids with digital and hybrid programming. Mm -hmm. And so in the old world order, everything was done on site in person. In the new world order, we had to get good at digital really, really quickly, and we did. So we don't want to go back to the day of only having one methodology or one modality of program delivery. We want to really kind of invest in those digital resources. So when we are having a um, college um, uh, FAFSA, which is the um, financial aid package support for college students, when we're doing that with our high school students, it's great to have 40 kids in the building learning about it, but if I could have 400 kids available because of live streaming on Facebook, I like that as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. So yeah. let's keep that silver lining top of mind. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to close the show with, with our guests having an opportunity to share a call to action because we have a lot of people listening, people out there that hopefully will want to do something to make a difference, uh, help in whatever way they can. What would you say is your call to action for the Boys and Girls Club of Milwaukee? Tell people about us. Um, get the word out about us. Um, our, our clubs in, in this, the city, we have over 40 sites um, all throughout the, the city. And then also our Camp Whitcomb Mason site um, that, that many people may not even be aware of. So, so tell people about us. Um, register your child for programming be that at camp or or um, or downtown or um, register your neighbor child, talk to, talk to their mom and register that child for programming um, or a niece or nephew. Um, come to come to camp for a tour. Come and come and check us out. Um, call us and uh, reserve a site for your company retreat or a team building retreat or your school or your church. Um, come to our S'mores event. We have an annual event in April, in, in August, in, in mid-August um, every year. That is just a, a wonderful adult time to be at camp for the evening. It's a casual event, um, and you can learn learn more about us there. Um, would love to have people at the S'mores event as well. Okay, and of course, donations, donations, donations. That's how we keep our nonprofit sector afloat, right? So, uh, making an annual gift to the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Milwaukee. Uh, is a great way to support the camp. Can you give the audience a website or a phone number or the best way to contact contact you? Absolutely. Our website is our is probably our best form of contact now that all of us are so web savvy. Um, it's www.bgcmilwaukee.org. Okay. Thank you. Well, I want to thank you both today, Kathy Thornton-Bias from the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee and Sarah Resch, also from the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee, but focusing on Camp Whitcomb Mason. Thank you both for all the work you do to engage and entertain our youth in the city and out in the burbs. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, or if you would like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. 
Join us next Sunday morning at 10 to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making a difference in our community. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows. You can also listen on demand, which means Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. If you have or know some kids that you think would like to get involved in any of the camp programs talked about today, I encourage you to check out the Boys and Girls Club and Camp Whitcomb, two great options for engaging and entertaining your kids. I think it would be something that would be good for both you, the parents, and good for the kids. It's a great way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Thanks for listening today and have a great day.